0: Hi, my name is Kirk Hamilton, your host of the Staying Healthy Today Show. This is a show where we bring you key experts in the fields of nutrition, prevention, integrative and lifestyle medicine. We review the medical literature and we review case studies. Today's show topic is circulation to the brain, cognitive function, and the potential benefit of resveratrol therapy. Our guest today is Dr. Peter Howe. He's a PhD from the School of Biomedical Sciences and Pharmacy, University of Newcastle in Callahan, New South Wales, Australia. He's a co-author of two interesting papers, uh, Evidence for Circulatory Benefits of Resveratrol in Humans in the Annals of the New York Academy of Sciences in 2013, and also Low-Dose Resveratrol Improves Cerebrovascular Function in Type 2 Diabetes in Nutrition, Metabolism, and Cardiovascular Disease in 2016. And it's always a pleasure to do an interview anywhere in the world, but I always like stretching across the world all the way to Australia. So welcome, Dr. Howe, thanks for coming on the show today. Hi, Kirk. Tell us, tell me a little bit about your educational background, what you do in your current position. Okay, I started
1: out as a graduate of Sydney University with a major in pharmacology and spent time at Oxford University in physiology and ultimately uh, took a PhD at uh, Monash University in um, neuroscience. So I've I've had a long-standing interest in um, aspect neurophysiology, autonomic physiology and pharmacology and the circulation. And for the last 30 years or more, I've focused on nutrition and the benefits, uh, mechanisms by which nutrients can benefit the circulation in particular and also brain function.
0: When did you get interested in resveratrol and circulation just in general?
1: Uh... In fairly recent years, it's uh, one of a um, number of interesting polyphenols that have come to my attention that I've had the opportunity to work with and amongst those I also include the cocoa flavanols and we realise that these nutrients that I think have been in the past typically undersold as antioxidants have a, a wide range of unique um, physiological functions and in particular they are mediators of uh, various endothelial functions um, through the production of endothelial nitric oxide and one of these that we can actually get a a handle on uh, through non-invasive assessments in human clinical trials is the ability of the endothelium to relax arteries and enhanced blood flow. So I've had a focus now for some time for the last 15 years on um, the various nutrients that I choose to term vasoactive nutrients, just to emphasize the importance of this function, their ability to improve endothelial function predominantly through enhanced uh, production or release of nitric oxide and this translates in in terms of assessments in clinical trials to improved endothelial mediated vasodilatation
0: where does resveratrol come from and then tell us about what kind of resveratrol you use
1: well resveratrol i guess is probably best known as a um, uh, a key component uh, or bioactive in red wine and I guess has been identified as uh, possibly the most important, but certainly not the only, polyphenol in red wine that might be contributing to what's being termed the the French paradox, the beneficial effects that have been associated with red wine consumption in terms of reduced cardiovascular risk. But resveratrol in our hands has been a most interesting compound to work with because we've had the opportunity to uh, conduct uh, clinical trials with synthetic transresveratrol provided to us by DSM, uh, the company in Switzerland that has provided us with a number of compounds that we've studied in the past, including also Epi gallocatechin gallate or EGCG from green tea and we've also worked in the past with them on some of their um, omega-3 products and all of these compounds have the potential to influence endothelial function but uh, resveratrol we found to be the the most potent on a dose basis and our early studies where we did a dose response evaluation of the effects of supplementation with resveratrol acutely on flow-mediated dilatation in the brachial artery indicated that we could see benefits with doses as low as 30 milligrams of resveratrol.
0: And uh, how much Red wine, would I have to drink to get 30 milligrams of resveratrol?
1: Well, people often ask that question. I guess it depends on the red wine that you happen to be drinking, but it might be somewhere in the vicinity of about uh, five liters a day. So it's better to look at alternative sources, I think, unless you're a very keen wine drinker. Certainly if your focus is on health. There are a number of products that have been extracted, I think mainly from uh, uh, Japanese knotweed and other plant sources. As we know, there are small amounts of resveratrol in peanuts and uh, certainly um, various fruits and, of, of course, in, in grapes, grape skins. But we, as I said, had the opportunity to work with pure trans-resveratrol and that enabled us to be able to demonstrate efficacy at surprisingly low dose levels.
0: Tell me again, what, was, it Jap, um, was it Japanese nutweed or knotweed?
1: Knotweed.
0: Like, like N-O-T? Yeah, K-N-O-T. K-N-O-T. All right. I just yeah. want to get that right. I think I spelled that wrong previously. Okay. Right. So tell us about how you used it in the study with regards to the low-dose resveratrol-improved cerebrovascular function type 2 diabetes mellitus. Tell us a little bit about that study.
1: Yeah, we were interested to see whether or not the effects that we'd seen in the brachial artery would also apply to the circulation in the brain. Because one thing is evident to us that the benefits of these vasoactive nutrients extend beyond the focus, the traditional focus on uh, coronary artery function and risk of heart disease. Uh, In fact, when you think about the the brain and its circulation, the brain requires far more blood than any other component of the body on a weight-for-weight basis, and uh, yet we tend to just take it for granted that the brain is optimally perfused, and we know, in fact, there's increasing evidence that that is not the case, and uh, certainly impairments in cerebrovascular function at a microvascular level have been shown to contribute to increased risk of cognitive decline and dementia. And so we've been interested in in looking at how we might be able to optimise the circulation in the brain, the perfusion of brain regions on demand during various brain functions, performing mental tasks, and how both cognition and mood can all be enhanced or optimised by optimising the circulation in the brain. And clearly the way to do this is to use a um, a nutrient approach rather than to look at some sort of therapeutic application as of course is, is done when uh, we have significant established cognitive impairment and pre-dementia. Uh, I think that despite the efforts in terms of development of drugs that might have the potential to counteract dementia at an early stage, it's much better if we can look at an application of nutrients or supplements throughout life to ensure that we optimise our brain function. And I think the key to that is to keep a healthy blood flow in the brain. And so the focus of our recent work has been to look at the circulation in the brain directly and we can do this using non-invasive transcranial doppler ultrasound and we look at the response to various stimuli including a standardized approach for us is to have the subject breathe carbogen gas which has a slightly higher level of carbon dioxide than people would normally breathe in air and this subtle increase in carbon dioxide level in the breath is actually a very potent stimulus to for the brain to increase its blood flow
0: did you use this test in your diabetic study yes we did and can you tell us the results of kind of how that worked
1: well we used that initially as a reproducible approach to see if we could demonstrate a dose response of this cerebrovascular response to hypercapnia with resveratrol. And we looked at a range of doses, 75, 150, 300 milligrams as a single dose. And pretty much the same way as we conducted the original studies with resveratrol on flow-mediated dilatation in the brachial artery, we looked at the peak response, which occurs a couple of hours after supplementation. And we found that in this case, the maximum response was obtained with the lowest dose at 75 milligrams.
0: When you say maximum dose, I mean, excuse me, maximum response, are you talking about the blood flow measurement or cognitive tests or what in these diabetic patients?
1: We're talking about the increase in blood flow triggered by the hypercapnic stimulus. So that when people are breathing this carbon gas for a period of three minutes, we see a peak increase in blood flow, the extent of which is related to the health of their endothelium.
0: And you were saying, and I think when we were talking, that for some reason the resveratrol seems to increase more cerebral blood flow than other areas of the body, or there's a good mechanism that seems to work very well in the cerebrovasculature? With resveratrol, was was that it, or well,
1: we believe that the effects of resveratrol or other vasoactive nutrients will will vary between different parts of the circulation, depending on the mechanisms involved in the activation of the endothelial dilator mechanisms. And in the case of resveratrol, we believe that um, particularly in women effects on estrogen receptors in the brain may be important in modulating vasodilatation.
0: So in the study that you did with the diabetics, you gave 75 milligrams twice a day, correct? Or once uh, a day?
1: No, we only gave it as a single acute dose. And it, let me let me just, uh, because we're mixing and matching between a, a few different studies here. Okay. We've, con- we've conducted four clinical trials now with resveratrol, Two have been in um, looking at the effects on flow mediated dilatation, and the other two have been looking at effects on cerebrovascular responsiveness, in other words, endothelial vasodilator responses in the brain. Okay. Now, the ones in the brain have been triggered by two stimuli. One is the response to this hypercapnic stimulus, and the other is the response to cognitive tasks. In each case, we've attempted first of all to get an indication of an efficacious dose by doing an acute dose response evaluation. So in other words people have a single dose of the resveratrol at each visit that they attend and that's delivered in a randomized order so that over four visits people will wind up having a placebo on one occasion or three different doses of the active on the other three occasions. So we have a comparison within subjects of the potential for different levels of resveratrol to actually increase the vasodilator response. And in the case of flow-mediated dilatation in the brachial artery, That's where we initially identified in our acute study that 30 milligrams was an effective starting point and the responses increased so that we did actually see a higher response at the highest dose of 270 milligrams. But then we chose to apply that in a chronic supplementation trial that ran over two periods of in a crossover study of six weeks each. And in that particular case, we used a dose of 75 milligrams and we delivered it twice daily. And that was necessary because the resveratrol has a relatively short half-life. So twice a day dosing was optimal in terms of maintaining the effects. And we not only saw a repeat of the acute increase in FMD responsiveness two hours after the dose of resveratrol but at the end of the six week period and looking at least a day well 24 hours roughly after the last dose had been taken we still saw a sustained increase of the vasodilator response to flow mediated the flow mediated dilatation response so clearly there was some sort of long lasting modification of endothelial function as a result of the chronic treatment with the resveratrol and if we if we look at the magnitude of that we were looking at an an increase that amounted to about 1.3 1.4 percent and we know that that level of increase even a one percent increase in fmd i think has been associated with about a 15 percent reduction In uh, risk of coronary heart disease, so there are clear benefits associated with the with the effect of resveratrol on endothelial function in the systemic circulation. Well, then we turned our attention to the brain.
0: In getting back to the 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 diabetic study, what was your optimal dose to get a response? 75 milligrams once, or.
1: Well, in the, in the diabetic study that we did, this was an acute Just study, a, so single dose, right? And there, as I said, we evaluated three different dose levels: seventy-five, one hundred and fifty, and three hundred milligrams of resveratrol versus placebo. And we saw the the maximum responsiveness at the seventy-five milligram dose.
0: Okay, once daily.
1: Just a single dose. In fact, uh, the improvements were very similar in in two different parts of the cerebral circulation, in the middle cerebral artery and also in the posterior cerebral artery. And when we see the increase in blood flow in those regions, they're actually reflecting dilatation downstream in the brain regions that those major vessels are subserving. So this is very important because it's giving us an indication of the regions of the brain that are responding to to those to that stimulus and the the thing about the hypercapnic uh, stimulus is that it is a very generalized stimulus so we would expect to see similar responsiveness in different regions of the brain but then we looked at the response to different cognitive tasks to see if even after a single acute administration of resveratrol we could see an improvement in cerebrovascular responsiveness during a cognitive task. And indeed, we saw a range of different responses um, associated with the uh, cognitive stimuli. So it's not just the physiological stimulus, the, the mental stimulus also is increasing the demand for blood flow to various regions of the brain, and we can pick that up reproducibly with the non-invasive transcranial doppler ultrasound approach that we're using and we can actually demonstrate we have demonstrated for the first time that the resveratrol is actually increasing the blood flow in response to the cognitive demands that are being placed now that data is yet to be published that's the the next uh, piece of work in line if you like to be coming out of this study. At the same time, we did actually see improvements in the cognitive performance itself. So particularly in in the area of working memory tasks, there were significant improvements were seen with the lowest dose, 75 milligrams, also at the higher doses.
0: Okay, so it would seem very reasonable if, and I'll ask you this question, if there is a relatively little toxicity to resveratrol. And if we assume in early Alzheimer's and other dementias that blood flow increase would be beneficial, then it would be, you know, for until somebody's waiting for the definitive study, taking 75 milligrams of a trans-resveratrol once or twice a day would seem like a very reasonable, safe thing to do. Is that a, a stretch?
1: No, I think that's uh, exactly the direction, but uh, we still don't the answers as yet yeah, because we need to do in terms of um, supplementation trials is that we are building the evidence for a, a hypothesis a model to predict who is going to benefit and it's not just resveratrol potentially other nutrients that i have termed so active nutrient of the cognitive decline that we're seeing accelerated uh, age related cognitive impairment leading to dementia is associated with microvascular disease because then we can predict that the people who are going to be at greatest risk are those who have high blood pressure, diabetes or even obesity and other components of the metabolic syndrome that are increasing their risk of microvascular disease and recognising that that extends to the brain and that that can significantly contribute to not only impairments in cognition, but also impairments in mood and potentially also increased risk of neurodegenerative diseases. And then, based on that hypothesis, we can evaluate vasoactive nutrients like resveratrol that have the potential to counteract and possibly even reverse some of the impairments in endothelial function that are contributing to the cognitive decline. So that's the approach that we're using. And at this stage, we're finding that resveratrol is the most potent of those nutrients that we've evaluated to date.
0: The trans-resveratrol, the synthetic trans-resveratrol, correct? Yes, yes. And with this 75 to 150 or 75 once a day or twice a day dose, you over several months you have not found any side effects or toxicity of reasonableness?
1: Well this brings us to another study. We've done two studies looking at effects on um, flow-mediated dilatation and that's been an acute study and a chronic study and in the chronic trial we used 75 milligrams twice daily. This was in people who were overweight but otherwise healthy we saw no adverse effects at all with that level of supplementation over six weeks. Now, since then, we've done a much longer study in postmenopausal women, whom we recognize as another potential risk group for microvascular disease, and particularly for uh, the potential effect on cognitive client so yeah. in
0: in that in the study on postmenopausal women what it you were saying you were doing it longer what did, what is the dose of that one is that 75 yeah. milligram twice yes, a day
1: yes we've used 75 milligrams twice a day in a study um, with postmenopausal women where we've supplemented them for 14 weeks okay so that's a, a much longer study and in that study we've not only seen no adverse effects of uh, treatment with resveratrol at that low dose that we 're using, and bearing in mind the few clinical studies that have been conducted with resveratrol have tended to use far higher doses and in our case that 's proven to be unnecessary and might be associated particularly at very high doses with increased risk of adverse events but as I said we 're using a low dose and we 've seen nothing adverse there but we have actually seen some very encouraging results in both the study the six-week study at that dose level that was looking at effects flow mediated dilatation and also now in the longer term study in post women where we've been looking at the effects on brain function and particularly on cognitive performance and mood and also pain perception and the results of that study which are yet to be uh, published are really very exciting and that's uh, another story uh, perhaps for Dr. Rachel Wong to relate to your listeners.
0: Well I asked her and so when she's ready I will gladly do that interview. So right now that dose again is 75 milligram twice a day correct? Yeah. Okay. Well, Dr. Howe, I want to thank you for taking the time. And we've got a lot of good information here. And I'm excited about your work. And, and again, connect me when you do another update, so to speak, and so I can share it again. So again, thanks for coming on the show today, Dr. Howe.
1: You're most welcome.
0: And I want to thank you, the audience, for listening to this edition of the Staying Healthy Today show. Remember, go to stayinghealthytoday.com. You can sign up for my health letter. And until next time, stay and be well.